Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Playing football, just like being working for a football team, it's hard to find something else that gives you that that beautiful natural high that you feel everything that you, you know, that you want to feel. And that, that is the, probably the hardest, the hardest thing. You just realize you can't always get it all the time. You know, you may get it here and there and you may get it when you get married, you may get it in your job. You may get it from just praying. um, You could be, there's so many different ways. And as I said, just, you know, just to have the faith that there's a, a road that you're on, wherever wherever it's taking you, wherever God's leading. Welcome to Think Gold Media. I am your host, Ivory Frimpong, and here on the Think Gold Podcast, I interview guests who come from all walks of life. We talk about topics ranging from spirituality and the deeper meaning behind life, all the way to topics like dealing with adversity and overcoming failure. Ultimately, my goal is to reach beyond social norms and have conversations with people that you wouldn't normally hear on a daily basis. If I can inspire one person, just one person, to take away something from this episode, then this platform has done its job. If this is your first time tuning in, I welcome you to the Think Gold family, and I urge you to follow us on all social media platforms at Think Gold Media. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy today's episode, and Think Gold. Today on the podcast, we have the most, probably I'd say, the most exciting guest I've had on so far. Her name is Connie Nicholas Carberg. She is, ladies and gentlemen, the first female NFL scout ever. She started her career for the NFL Jets back in 1976. Her contributions have led to a number of top draft picks, including defensive end Mark Gastineau, who led the NFL in sacks for 17 years just before Michael Strahan. Her story is not only just about how a woman broke into a male-dominated industry, but more so about a human being who decided to follow an undenying passion for what they love. I am truly honored to be here. Connie is an amazing person. You can just tell just from a couple minutes here in her talk. But Connie, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Think Gold. Uh, thank you, Ivory, so much. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We were, we were joking before we got on air that if I take any longer to start this, she might have to go. And she was like, as long as there's no football on, I got all the time in the world. So we <laughs> exactly. lucked out. <laughs> exactly. Um, but Connie, I want this just to be a conversation, right? Um, you know, we're, we're not on, um, you know, ESPN right now in a Mm -hmm. formal interview. This is just us just, just talking. And I think what's most important that I want to get through is, you know, yes, you broke into a male dominated industry, right? And I'm sure some people talk to you about, you know, Connie, like overcoming the odds of, of breaking in, you know, breaking in. And one of the things that you said to me off the back was that you didn't really even think about it that much, Right. And I think the narrative, the storyline should be instead of, you know, just breaking into a male dominated industry, but it was something that you loved. You had a passion for it. Right. And I think that's something that I want to dive deeper into this, to this podcast, Connie. So I'm just going to ask you straight off the back, where does the love for football come from? Where does that come from? 
I didn't have it, you know, because when I grew up in the 60s, um, really, there were no girls were really very, any of my friends, they weren't interested in football. I grew up a tomboy and I was playing um, in the backyard or in school. I was playing basketball and, and I was doing swimming and I was playing volleyball and all the other sports, softball, you name it. But football wasn't something that was really around with girls at all back in those in those days. So, but when I was uh, 12 years old, around 12 to 13, my father, Dr. Cal Nicholas, and my uncle, Dr. James Nicholas, became the two team doctors for the Titans, New York Titans, who then became the New York Jets. And they moved, you know, from the Polo Grounds to Shea Stadium and uh, got a new got a new owner uh, in Sonny Warblin. And so when that happened, when, I, when they started, I said, I better start learning a little bit about this because we're going to be going to games. And I don't know. So how, how old, Connie, how old were you at the time? I don't mean to interrupt you, about but. 13, about 13. So 13 years old, you said your father and your uncle? Yes, we're both the team doctors. My uncle was Dr. James Nicholas, who ended up was, was the one that operated on Joe Namath. His wow. knee got that braces over at the Hall of Fame that hmm. uncle did. He was really the first sports doctor. You know, back in those days, he didn't have it. My dad was the internist. In fact, when they started out with the Titans, who were the precursor to the Jets, um, there was only just my father and my uncle. And so then my uncle had my father go over to the visiting side to be just a doctor. So there would be a doctor on each side. Wow. And so when the thing happened with uh, DeMar Hamlin this past you know year with, uh, at, with the Bills. Yeah. Um, and I listened to what they had said, and it was an amazing thing that they saved him. But they had said there were 30 medical people, trainers, doctors, and everything on the field. So when you think back then, we had one trainer and my dad and my uncle, and that was it back there, and a team dentist, and, and that was it really. Team and, dentist, in case somebody out there, the team knocked out. <laughs> yeah, right. And that was it. So it's how far it has come uh, in all these years. So, But I just started going to the games, and my dad had a lot of tickets, plus the Jets gave us a couple, and we were at Shea Stadium. And I, I had an earth science teacher that taught me, I would stay after school and grade papers. And he started helping me uh, learn football. And he was a football coach at, in the high school, Babylon High School on Long Island. And okay. so I, did, I learned that when that was over, uh, pretty much at learning from him, Walt Michaels was a defensive coordinator of the Jets. And he was there for the Super Bowl year when the Jets won the only Super Bowl they've won or even been in was in 1969. It was the 68 season. Okay. And, and they were the f famous underdog guaranteed by Joe Namath, 18 points. Don Shula was coaching the Colts, and they were. You're giving, Connie, you're giving me a history lesson right now. I, I'm not familiar with any of this. I, I play football all my life, but, hey, I'm, I'm turning on the tape right now. This is all, this is all way back then. And But that's how he, he would be at the house all the time. We'd be watching football, and he would be teaching. And there was only one game a week on, college game. Yeah. So that, I had to learn from that. He would teach you, and then also uh, what they call Street and Smith Magazine. So I just mm. started learning little by little by little. And at the time, I was playing sports all through high school and going to the Jet games. And they, they that became my passion in my life, just learning football. I would eat, sleep, and drink it. I just I just absolutely loved it. So these players, you said, did Joe Namath come to your house? Is that what you said? He sure did. He sure did. So, okay. See, my, yeah, my father had his office connected to the house. Okay. And, and the players would come out for their for physicals or that they were sick or different things like that, um, that wasn't had to do with his knees or anything. Yeah. They, they, he would come in and there and my mom would have coffee and cake and, or I was coaching a swim team at the time. And if my kids had a good practice, I'd say, okay, Joe Namath is coming to the house. 
if you if you all have a good practice, you can we were right down the street. You can all sit hmm. in the way when Joe comes out because it was a big wow. thing. It was bigger than what we have now, even you know the really? social media. Because because Joe was more, he was the first guy to make big money. Most of the players were making eleven thousand, and even back, you know, which would still be it, it would transfer to be more now. But Joe was the first person to make any kind of money, and it was in the AFL, and that was four hundred and twenty-seven thousand. Plus, he got a car, and so that was unheard of. On top of it, Sonny Werblin, who was the owner, uh, saw this charisma and stuff that Joe had beyond football. It's not besides playing. And as I said, every girl wanted to date Joe and he did, he dated all these actresses and he was, and, and did all kinds of things. And then he, um, but, and every guy wanted to be him. He was cool. He wore the white shoes. He, everything about Joe, he had his Fu Manchu. He was way, mm. way, way ahead of his, you know, of what is going on now. He had swag and all that kind of stuff before it was in to have that. Got you. So, so, okay. And so these players are coming to your house. Your dad's the team doctor. You have players visiting him. You're getting to see one of the most uh, famous athletes probably at the time, probably of the century, maybe even the decade at that time, right? Yes, he and, was. And, and you're in New York. Um, too bad he didn't have an iPhone to show everybody, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so you're around it. And I'm sure part of the psychology of that was seeing this star, right? Being so close to you. Like you could, you know, touch and talk to him. And, and it yes. almost became like football was thrown in your face almost, right? Yeah. It was like this shining example of what it was and what it represented. I agree. That's and, a good point. It wasn't like it was some thing in the distance. It was hmm. really it's like you and I are talking and you, you yeah. got to know the players as human beings. And we all, it was very family oriented and we all hung out together. Emerson Boozer's house and Ralph, all the different Jets that were in the Super Bowl. We would all hang out at each other's houses. It wow. was it was a very, um, you know, just a whole different world back then. You know, people didn't have security. People didn't have anything. It was just yeah. really laid back. So you hmm. really, have, uh, George Sauer, who was a great wide receiver for the Jets, he was like my tennis partner. And really? yeah, we'd go play tennis all the time. And uh, it was, it was a great way to grow up. So I just, I, but I, as I said, I enjoyed every minute and um, I love sharing it with all my friends too. They, they, I would bring them, I would bring, you know, players over just so all my friends could meet them or yeah. I would take them to jet camp and at Hofstra. Who um, would that be? So like, okay, Joe Namath, mm -hmm. who, who would you compare of at least our generation right now, right? Or the athletes playing yeah. the NFL? Who is most similar in terms of like status to Joe Namath to put things in comparison? Okay. I'm just trying to think, you know, you've got LeBron in basketball. LeBron, really? Like, LeBron, that is bold, Connie. Yes, it is because he, but he even transcended, you know, um, Joe was more, was more, as I said, dating women. He was, he was single worth, you know, LeBron's married with his family, but so he kind of, uh, transcended that ever as I said, everywhere we went, there were just girls. It's like the, if you ever heard of the Beatles, uh, the singer, yeah. <laughs> they, they were really big back then. Uh, I think who would, I don't know who it would be right now, but that that's when he was, he would be so big. Um, um, trying to think of who else, you know, Patrick Mahomes is big in football and, because of social media, people know him. But gotcha. I'm trying to think of somebody, you know, who's more, you know, probably OBJ. Maybe like a Maybe OBJ. OBJ. Okay. So you're talking more like rock star, right? Rock star, yeah, little la, la, little yeah, edge on him. Yeah, and he was really good looking. As I said, all the girls liked him. He had the quickest release. He had two bum knees, though. That's what made it so amazing. You know, mm. when he he hurt his knees when he was in Alabama, he was a great athlete. He could he was a baseball player, 
um, basketball. And the only reason he took a football is mom wanted him to go to college because he was a really great baseball player. And then he uh, was Alabama for um, Bear Bryant. And then and he got thrown off the team once before drinking. At, oh. and, then, and he came back, but he said it was the best lesson that he ever learned. And so as I said, then he, but then he hurt his knees, but he was a great athlete before that. And, but we drafted him and my uncle operated right away on, on the knees. And they, as I said, we had to really concentrate on protecting him. That was the mm. most important thing. And that's why, um, it was, you know, quarterbacks didn't run back then, you know, maybe if you ever heard of Fran Tarkington, he was a runner, but most, most, uh, all quarterbacks were, you know, in the pocket. Hmm. And, uh, you know, like a, like a Brady, like a okay. flat. That, gotcha. I'm getting, I'm getting the picture. Okay. okay. So I just wanted to, to kind of yeah. get a feel for just how, just how big this guy was. Cause I mean, he's at your house and that's a, that's a big deal, but talking about Connie, talking about the love for football. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm sure everybody at a young age has a love for something, right? The love to make it to the NFL is is one, right? The love to travel across the world, the love to be a singer. singer. Whatever you want, whatever it is that you have a photographer, I don't care what it is, you're having a passion, right? So exactly, having a passion and only a few amount of people actually get to make it happen. Yes, actually make, get to live in it, right? Their passion yeah. is their job, right? Where every mm-hmm. we get to go, and I did, and I did not know that was going to happen. I thought I was going to go back to my high school, and then uh, teach teach there, and then uh, do girl sports, uh, coach girl sports after school. But as I said, I got lucky, and my father had a birthday party, and I was talking to the head coach, and he said, "We're building a brand new building, and you know your football." I had gone to Ohio, the Ohio State University, and Coach Woody Hayes, who's like the Nick Saban. He's a legendary coach there. They named the facility after Woody Hayes, right? Yes. And he was so good to me and he had me go to practices and he was unbelievable the whole time that I was there at at Ohio State. So as I said, I I was very, very lucky. And when I started talking football, that was the one time I felt confident about myself. Really? Didn't have a lot of confidence. I didn't go to my prom and, you know, I might might have missed this, Connie. How did you end up having a relationship with Woody Hayes? Okay, when I was at Ohio State, after I, I went to an all girls college for two years and I played basketball, but there were no okay. scholarships, no scholarships for women at, at that time because Title IX hadn't come in. Wow. So I transferred to the, the Ohio State University, must always say the, right? And went to the Ohio State University. And I was at, and my president of my sorority, but I took this, uh, we, and we were all into football and all that stuff. But I, I took a book, You Win With People by Woody Hayes. And I knew they were eating over at the union. So I waited until he came out, had him sign the book, which I still have to this day. And I proceeded to talk to him. And he said, you know, there's nothing for women right now. There's, there just wasn't. There were, there were no women announcers, co- coaches, uh, uh, trainers, PR, community service. I, you know, nothing like that. He said, but, you know, you never know where your passion is going to lead you. I want you to come over and meet me at the stadium and we'll talk. So I did. And he said, you really, I can see where your passion lies. He said, I want you to come to practice whenever you want every day, even if it's closed to other scouts when they come, because sometimes, you know, how coaches close practices. Mm -hmm. He said, no, you come here and you talk with them. You learn. He said, you never know where it's going to lead you in life. And I'm so glad that I did. I had my sorority sisters did my work for me and I would go to practice every day. <laughs> and would you just, would you just study the game, watch practice, take mental right. notes, kind of observe the playbook? 
I watched watch the players, talk to them. Um, also, if there were scouts from other teams at that time, because I wasn't a scout yet, I was just going watching and talking to all of them and, and learning uh, about the game, every, everything. And then when I would go home, the same thing. You know, it was just a constant thing from the time I was, as I said, 13 till 21. And wow. then I started working for the Jets in 1974. And in 19, as I was, I opened up the- I was going to say, yeah, how did, so, so your first job working for the Jets, you were a secretary, right? I was the, right. I was the um, a scouting secretary and also a receptionist doing both. I was the only woman in the building, in the brand new building at Hofstra University. Eventually, about a month or two later, they had the head coach got us, um, got a secretary, but I love being, I love being receptionist. In those days, you could get right through to everybody. Anybody that called, you were talking to them. People didn't have uh, security. People didn't have yeah. a secretary. You could just call anybody. So you were like, you were like Jets relations, basically. Yeah, it was, like you were. <laughs> it was really fun. And then uh, in 1970, I had a wonderful boss named Mike Hollaback, who had been an All-American in college, had, had coached the Patriots way back. And he was a great judge of talent. And in 75, he was running back coach, but, and then they were switching people at that time. And um, he, they had the draft. It was 17 rounds, not where it is now. It's seven, 17 rounds. And you, there was no such thing as ESPN. There was nothing televised. You just went in and you spent all day and all the way through to like midnight. And the next morning, you came back in and finished up the draft. Wow. When we got to um, the last round, um, Mike Hollaback and Al Ward, who was the general manager, said to me, Connie, okay, you're going to make the last draft pick. So I'm still the only woman that actually, you know. And were you a scout at the time or were you? This time I was, I was doing a scouting secretary. You know, I was doing, I was putting all the forms in, arranging the stuff where the scouts would go. Like a So scout. what what made them have trust in you to handle the last pick of the I, you know, I wish NFL I could, draft? I, I wish they were still alive that I could ask them that. <laughs> Why? <laughs> so I just thought it was very, I just said, oh, okay, great. And um, I chose Mike Bartosik. Um, who went to Ohio State was a wide receiver tight end. And in fact, Doug Plank, who there was, I don't know if you ever heard of the 46 defense, that was the Chicago Bears. They were known okay. for Doug Plank, who went to Ohio State, was named after him. And he was uh, later on, I found out now, I didn't even know till you know, years later, 40 years later, that he was Mike Bartosik's roommate. Wow. And he said, No, you made a good pick. He said he just he just wasn't really ready for. Uh, you know, the pros, you didn't have, you have to have that extra hunger and stuff. But it was at that time, the world, there was the World Football League that was kind of vying for some of the players, too. So then in, right after that, within a couple of months, the uh, general manager and Mike Holovac said to me when we were doing the game plan, I did the game plan with the head coach's secretary back in the locker room. We ordered Chinese food. We would be doing the game plans, typing, you had typewriters, remember no computers. So you have wow. Type, type. Wow. I need a picture of that. No cell phones. Uh, you know, it's really oh a very, very different world. Using, and I didn't know how to type. I had to fake my way because I didn't study to be a secretary. I knew <laughs> So I had to pretend. Did, did people that, study to be secretaries back in the day? Connie? Yes. In those days, when you came out of school, you either went to uh, like to secretarial school or you went to college and you might take a wow. course in typing, but you didn't learn how to do shorthand, right? You oh, know, right? Or you didn't, uh, I didn't know, form, how do you, uh, a form letter say to the general manager of another team and you can't Google it. There's no such thing. There's no YouTube. There's no computers. And the whiteout, as I said, if I made a mistake, I have to wait till everybody walked away and then try to figure it all out. But as I said, I was very blessed that they... They liked my knowledge of football. And yeah. that 
And then as I learned, as I went along, because I always tell the people, the kids that I talk to, young people, you know, skills can be taught, but attitude can't. Mm. So I think they saw my passion, my enthusiasm, my love, my thirst for knowledge to learn all the time and constantly do that. And that's when they said, we want you to do scouting for us. And I went, oh, okay. And so that's how it began. And they sent me out to Ohio State. And then they sent me down to the Orange Bowl and up to Boston College. And and I would do that. And thank goodness, you know, that Ohio State did an article. And Dick Young, who was a very famous writer at that time, put down that there's a Connie, Connie Nichols. At that time, I was Connie Nichols. I haven't met my husband yet. It's the first uh, Girl Scout. And that's what they call her, the Girl Scout. Girl Scout. So I was very lucky that I had a few people that did that. So that when my son, I know I jumped ahead, but about 12 years ago, said, Mom, I just want to make uh, a website for you so that we can always just say that you were the first, no matter what. We didn't know that social media the last 10 mm. years or so with Twitter yeah. and Facebook and everything was going to explode and things like this. And of course, now with Zoom and yeah. everything else, you, know, you, you just never know in life. And um, I was very blessed with the way things happened for me. So I started doing that. I would grade films. We had reel to reel. You didn't have tapes at that time. You, um, you know, VHS. We haven't even gotten VHS yet, much less DVDs. So we had reel to reel, the eight millimeter, and you could you would watch it. You probably see it. You'll see it in some of the old um, films and stuff that you, if you go on, on YouTube. And then I would write up reports on players. I also was in charge of getting the scouts where they would go and make sure that was all set. So I was doing both things. Hmm. And it was so it was a really um, a great, a great time. And um, so I, I, I loved every minute of it, though. I, as I said, it was a, but I thought it was very natural. I didn't make, I didn't like, it wasn't like front page news. Like nowadays, when things happen, it's all over the place for women. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's crazy that it didn't like shock you as much, right? Like it didn't surprise you, right? And I think that's just a testament of who you are. Like you strike me as somebody that's very in the moment, that's very day by day, staying present, really just being where your feet are, right? And I and I said, I, I it was the one thing that I, I didn't feel confident. My confidence was not in me as a, that way, uh, but my confidence was the only time, I, in fact, when I met my husband while I was working at the Jets, and he used to sit and watch. He goes, I, I love watching you talk to people. He said, because it's so neat. He said, you can just see your comfort zone. Hmm. And what it is, so I did. I just, I, I really loved it. And I, the, the players were wonderful. It was very relaxed back then. I mean, I would I would bake an apple pie for Joe Namath. I would go back to the locker room. There was a, a and there, a fan might call up and say, you know, I'm really a fan of so-and-so. Just say they called up, you know, and said, well, I'm really a fan of Tyree Kill or something like that. I would just get up, go through the back doors and I would yell girl back. That meant that I was going back to the locker room. And then I would yell back, everybody okay. And then I would find that player. And I said, when you're done getting dressed, would you come up front and just talk to this uh, fan on the phone? And they would do that. And it was, as I said, that's how relaxed it was. The atmosphere was, yeah. When you talk about, you know, being taken seriously, right? Yeah. And because, you know, there's one thing that that's your perception, right? And and who you are, Connie, right? Of like, you know, you being able to speak to everybody, right? You being able to connect and, and have that great attitude. But then you also have to deal with, I'm sure, how other people perceive you, right? And I'm sure a lot of people at the time might have been 
and maybe initially taken back, right? Off, off first glance, maybe off first conversation. Like, whoa, she's talking about it. The X need to run the post and the slot needs to run the corner. And, and you know, and, and you need to sink your hips down when you're, when you're running your routes. And yes, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is when you talk about earning coaches and players respect, how are you able to do that when maybe perception of you being a woman Maybe you didn't, you know, quite fit that expectation. How were you able to navigate that? I think part of part of it was ignorance is bliss. I and I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to know. <laughs> okay, I'll be a part of it. No, number two was I grew up in it because once it became my passion, as I said, I spent so much time and I knew every name and every person. So uh, even when I was just doing the receptionist work. Um, I, I, cause I knew who and people were coming in to see Joe Namath all the time, you know, people that were, uh, you know, faint with Pele would come in to see him. And then, you know, somebody else would come in from this uh, on Broadway or the incredible Hulk Lou Ferrigno and all these different people would come in. Everybody would come in to see Joe Namath. Mm. And so I, but I knew who everybody was and what they could do. And so, as I said, I think it just became, it, it really became a part of me. And I didn't, um, I, as I said, I didn't make it and nobody, really seemed to make a big deal of it the only time was was my i had a, a new boss that came in later on um this was back in 70 i guess 78 walt michaels had become the head coach and he's the one that i grew up with that taught me everything so he he knew me knew my dad he always had faith in what i believed in i had a boss that came in new because my other um mike Hollaback had left to go to the um houston Oilers, where it became the tennessee titans and he didn't know me at all. And he was tough and he was gruff, but with, with everybody, he was the kind of person that, you know, if you have lunch hour at 12 and at one o'clock, you better be there. And I, of course I was all the time, but he, all those different things. And then why, you know, maybe you shouldn't be out. I was always used to watch practice every day because I said, I got, and they said, no, you don't need to go out. And I said, well, no, I really do because this is how I learn. And, and how am I going to know what players are doing what? And, but you know what, after, and, they through him in the beginning and uh talking to al ward and stuff they said we really don't want to at that time it's about seven seventy seven i guess it was 78 they said yeah we don't want a woman as the traveling around so i probably could have gotten upset and saying i could they said i could still grade films i could still interview talk to players i could still um you know do all the things locally but they didn't want a woman traveling around as a regular scout now, everybody nowadays might say, why, why didn't you just quit? Why did you say, hey, you know, I'm a woman, Come give me this. And I, it's funny. I said, uh, first of all, I love, I love my Jets. I love, more, I love them more than anything in the world, my, you know, my family, my husband and everything. And I said, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to stay here anyway. And I'm going to just kind of work my way through this. And a good thing I did, because I kind of, as time went on, uh, uh, my boss at that time, Mike Hickey, was on the road and he called in and he said, we're coaching in the senior bowl, the senior bowl. You know, they have it. They still have a senior bowl today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we, in fact, last year was the first time we had coached in 43 years in it. So it was 43 years ago. And Mike Stensrud, a guy had gotten hurt, a defensive lineman. So he called and he said, we need somebody to replace him because we're coaching the North squad. So I said, all right. So I had to, I, whatever I could find, because most of the first round picks like Fred Smurls and all the guys that were really big back in those years in 79, 
we're already going to the senior bowl. So there, I had to find guys that maybe were looking about rounds four to seven, because now it was going to be, now it was 12 rounds, not 17. So I had to find somebody there. So I looked at all the different things, read everything that I could. If I had a tape, I talked to people. And then I said, okay, how am I going to make this decision? I narrowed it down to five guys. And I decided I was going to call each one. Well, first of all, it's really hard to find people because remember, there's no cell phones. So you got to call the school, find the guy, wherever he may be. Hmm. He might be at the school. He might be in his dorm. There might be one phone for 30 people um, oh. in the school. It was very different. But I, I found the guys and I spoke with them. Most of them said, oh, you know, I'm ready or I'm interested in playing. Tell me what I have to do for the senior bowl. One guy who happened who was just very, very enthusiastic, said, I'm ready to play. Get me on the next plane. All I want to be is playing in the NFL. I'm in shape. And I went back and I said, oh, I love that. You know, I love passion. I love enthusiasm. So I said, let me look at, let me look at that. And he was one from a small school, East Central Oklahoma. And he ran a 455 at, at 275 and 65. And that turned out to be Mark Gastineau. Wow. And I, he was just, but that's his attitude. And just the way he, remember, he's, he was famous for his sack dance. That's the kind of person. He was just like a young colt. He was just, uh, you know, full of energy. And mm. so I, I decided to choose him. I went down to Walt Michaels, who was the head coach. And I said, my, my suggestion is we go with Mark Astineau. Not knowing. I wish I could tell you that I knew he was going to be as great as he was. I can't say that. And he went down and Dan Sikanovich, who was the defensive line coach, said he just tore everything up. He was so good. And wow. what um, college did, did Mark go to? He's, he, well, first, he went to Arizona State for a little bit. And then he didn't get he and Frank Cush didn't see eye to eye. And then he transferred to East Central Oklahoma. And it was a small school um, and everything. And that's where he was. So that's why it was I said it wasn't a big name, you know, like a Texas and Ohio State or Alabama, you know, anything like that. So he went there and, and he had a great game. He got the MVP of on defense of the North Squad. And wow. a guy named Marty Lyons, who we drafted in the first round, became the MVP of the South squad. So it was it was really neat. In this, and, we, and we ended up drafting guys from the Senior Bowl last year, too. So when we got to the draft, and I was the one sitting in the room that they say, you know, New York Jets select. And that was the most exciting thing in the world. Because it was going into New York. You know how they uh, have the draft moving to different yeah. states? Back then, it was always in New York. If you see the ones on TV, just take a look on YouTube. It's really kind of fun. And... So I would be the one to call it into the people that were representing the Jets at Radio City or wherever it was in New York City. And then they would make the announcement. They would give the card in, bring that up. Because I said, there's no computers. It's, what it's round was, what, sorry, what round and pick was this? So first round was Marty Lyons, who was from Alabama, a well-known guy. And then the second round, we took Mark Astonos. That was really cool oh. to be able to, to say his name. And then he came in. And as I said, you, you know, he was unbelievable he did he had the sack record and we know that you know there was the controversial record that broke it um i'm glad tj watt tied it a couple uh, was it year before last tj watt got, you know he tied the record but uh, michael strahan broke it when brett Favre took a dive yeah. and then just went on so that but he held that he held that record for a long time he was again he was larger than life he was like name it to all everybody knew who mark gastineau was and again, very, very, very famous back, um, you know, in those days, as I said, just like, you know, certain guys are, are today, but those, um, and then I left, I got married and left the Jets in 81. I had to make a decision and my husband left it up to me. 
and uh, we were going to move to Florida. I got a job offer in Florida, but I always stayed in touch with Mark. And then in 2012, Mark got into the Ring of Honor, and he called me and asked me to to, to be there because I was the one that that drafted him. So I was very very honored, and uh, with his wife and his sister. So I had a you know really good time. So I was again, it was very. I didn't know all these things were going to happen, but I, I just have been very very blessed my, my, with my life. Wow, Connie, are you a believer in God? Oh, very much so. Yes, I am. Yeah, very strong believer. Do you feel like, I mean, obviously you have to feel like God really placed a hand on this journey, right? Because this is just, this is incredible because I don't think, and I want the audience to really understand this is that we're just now seeing a woman in the NFL. We're just now seeing, you know, women being in, in, in high positions in the NFL and even in industries across, um, you know, in business. And we look at businesses the NFL is one of the biggest, if not the biggest business in yeah. America. Yep. Right. Yes. And you're and 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 in the 1970s when, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a time machine back in time where yeah. women's rights were cut in half from where they are now. Like you were in the NFL. Yes. Title IX was passed in what it was uh, in uh, 72. So remember they celebrated the 50 years or whatever it is uh, this past year. So. Mm. It's amazing how things, yeah, things were, it was, it was a very, very, now Bruce Arians, who coached the Tampa Bay Bucks, you know, the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. Okay, so I I know you know that. So he he had been with the Arizona Cardinals, and he hired, um, I think it was 2015 or 16, Jen Welter, uh, to be uh, an intern, which they didn't have internships, which are the greatest thing in the world, but they didn't have that when I was going through, and they didn't have sports management and all that stuff. So he hired her to do that. Then the Jets hired three people um, to be uh, interns in scouting. In fact, one turned out to be Callie Bronson, who's now the chief of staff of the Cleveland Browns. And so it, but it has grown now so much. And there was another person, uh, Amy Trask. She was with Al Davis. Now she was in the, um, in the 90s and stuff. She was a CEO. Um, and, and again, she has a great book, You Negotiate Like a Girl. Excellent. And um she did amazing things. And then the Jets had another person named Donna Ponte, who and then was with the Jets and then went to the Dolphins. Now she's back with the league office, who kind of went up pretty high in the in the uh, 1990s into early 2000s. And but as I said, there was nobody back in those days. So wow. it, was, it, it really was <clears throat> amazing. And now it's like, you know, they have the Sam Rappaport has the thing where the, the women's forum and mm. they have all that kind of stuff where they get placed whether, you know, it could be all different things. And then, as I said, I always just tell them if they can get an internship in anything, don't, you know, take it. And it only takes one person to believe in you. Mm, amen to that. So I, I feel like football is just a reflection of life, right? And from what I've learned from playing football is that if you're a good human being, it will show up on the field, right? And and obviously there's some talent that, that has to be in there, but ultimately if you have heart, um, They'll show up on the field. And with that being said, you know, what are the greatest life lessons and principles that you've been able to take away from your your NFL career or just life in general? You know, we talk about overall philosophy and just, yes. you know, down to to just how it has made you a better person off the field. I mean, what are some of those things that come I, to mind? I think, well, you know, football is the ultimate team game, right? Mm. Number one. 
which I, I played all the other sports, but as I said, they didn't have, but it's the ultimate team game. So you have 11 and 11. And if one person doesn't do their job, the whole play doesn't work. You can have one person basically not do their job perfectly in the other sports on baseball and even, you know, even in basketball, some degree, as long as you have a superstar, you know, they can carry. But in football, you really have to have everybody. One guy misses a block, the quarterback sunk or the running back gets, you know, or whatever it may be. Receiver doesn't run the right route. You get the interception. Defense, poor defense doesn't get anything anymore nowadays. <laughs> it's, all, it's all offense. I feel so hard. sorry for them. But I learned, you know, I, I just, and learning, I share, I love sharing with people because I was so blessed. As I said, I, I you know, I'm a, as I said, I am a believer and I, and I, and God, you know, my whole life is, I've been very, very lucky. And that's why when I, the girl did my book called X's and O's don't mean I love you. I wanted it to, there's so much negativity out there in the world. Mm. And I wanted to have something that was positive for young people you know, that they could, they could give to their young daughters or their, even their, or their sons like football. And there's nothing in there that they can't read. There's no bad language. There's um, it's, it's a positive story of, you know, of my life because I, I love being able to share it. And mm. so through this, through this whole thing, and even after I left the Jets, um, I didn't know all these things were going to happen. So I don't consider it coincidence. I consider it, as I said, you know, um, just with my faith in God and, and uh, just the way things are, you know, not that everything is perfect, mm. but I, I was very blessed in finding a really good husband and uh, for 40 years until he passed away. So all those different, I had great parents. And so a lot of, a lot of different things. Yeah. When, when you look at it, advice, right. And, and we talk about you giving back advice from everything that you've learned. What advice do you have for women are just people in general who are working to follow their passions when the odds are stacked against them, right? For example, obviously your story and, and breaking into the NFL in a heavily male-dominated industry, or even choosing a path that you know your friends or even your family members might not agree with, right? Like, what's some advice you can offer to some of those folks? As I said, if it's your passion and if you really do love it, you know, go go after it. You know, and and just and see and see where it takes you. Sometimes we all go we go all go on a road like this, but we don't know there may be a little turn here or a little turn there, and just kind of you, you know don't know exactly where. Sometimes you end up doing something completely different than what you thought, but it ends up you know working out. So but, but so be open to different things. Um, second thing, if you do an internship, as I said to you, I I think you know just say they give you an internship at a at a college or with a pro team, and they put you in community relations but that's not you want to be a scout as i said take it go to do the internship everybody sees your work ethic i always try to talk to people you know if you're on time how you present yourself um all those other things it's not it's not just this knowledge same thing with a football player right like you're just talking about what, what you were just talking about the intangibles there's everything people have height weight speed that all those things can be measured but there's a lot of things that can't be measured. Your heart, your giving, your feelings, your love of other people, working, wanting to work as a group, rooting for other people to succeed along with you, hmm. not, not trying to hurt, hurt other people or you know be contested with other people. So I think all those things, as I said, there's so many opportunities out there. In fact, you know, you may not even, people may not even know what's out there because a football team has everything imaginable, you know, for, for being a video, video person, you can be the, an announcer, you can be um, 
as I said, equipment manager. You could be, I mean, there's a million things, scouts, coaches, um, just assistance to anything, um, but just do the best and be the best at what you're doing and just see where, see where it leads you. You don't know, you know, it's hmm. So I met my husband when I was working there, not at the Jets, but on my lunch hour. Wow. Never, never expecting that. So it's, it, you know, you just never know in life. There's a, there's a reason for everything. Mm. Amen and to that. And sometimes we don't always understand it at the moment. And later on, we look back and say, oh, now I get it. Amen. Amen to that. That's that's extremely true. Um, I want to shift gears here a little bit. Now let's talk some, some, some nitty gritty football here, okay? <laughs> Connie, <laughs> when it comes to your game day routine, right? It's it's yeah. it's, it's Sunday and the Jets are playing one o'clock. What's preparation like for you? How do you get down on a Sunday? Well, because we had COVID for so long. Well, I'll do I'll watch church when I get up in the you know I'll watch in the morning beforehand, and then I start watching all pre right after that. That's because it's like eight thirty. Then I start all the pre games. I have all my pre games on you know ESPN and and Fox and NFL Network and everything. So I watch all that. And then of course, um, I have, I had Sunday ticket and my son will come over. That's our special time together and his wife and it's great about it too. So that he and I, cause we have two, he has two little kids make it, makes it harder to watch, you know, and concentrate on the game. So yeah. I'm only 10 minutes away from them. And we watch and we hear, we watch the game. Cause I don't like to watch with a lot of people. I like to hear what the announcers say. I like to be able to, you know, just really concentrate on what's happening. And then <clears throat> watch all the rest of the games at four o'clock and hmm. game and monday and thursday and you know any game I'll, I'll watch any kind of football college or pro i don't move gotcha. on, you know saturday same thing with college football okay college game day my favorite show okay <laughs> all right now um I would definitely love to watch a football game with you. We're gonna speak that into existence. Okay. We're gonna be at we're gonna be at a Jets Commanders game, okay? And you're gonna come okay. down to uh, our new stadium when we move to DC, okay? That sounds great. I'd love to. I think I would enjoy watching with you. Some people, like I would say, no, I can't because I, you know, it's the one time I'm not. I get so I get so uptight, you know. That's hard. That's hard. <laughs> so, I, I got you. I, 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 I'm that way for the draft too, but I. <laughs> someone else who's a uh who's someone else who's a big jets fan who i'm a huge fan of um this is someone i've been wanting to get on the podcast he's a huge inspiration to me is gary v right Um, yes he loves he is diehard jets fan i know he eventually someday down the road you know on the jets and he is so great as i said you know i follow him he follows me he's uh i just i I love his stuff because he he believes in kindness. He believes in you know in, in in marketing and how to do different things and how to everything with him is positive. Yeah, no, everything, I definitely agree. Everything about him is positive, and so Gary V is a. I, I mean, there's so many times when I will take you know if I see something either on LinkedIn or on Twitter or, or Instagram that he right away I send it you know to all different people because it's it is it's so inspirational. And he should come on and, and talk to you, Ivory. I would think that would be yeah. great. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna shout out Gary V. Gary me, V. Okay. <laughs> me and Connie, we we want you on the podcast, Gary V. Connie, he, Connie, I, give, I, give give Gary V. some words. And I think he'd like, especially you know, as I said, which is think gold, and this is you know thinking about winning and thinking about being the best, but also as I said, you know, 
you're the way you come at things with 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 the kindness with the softness and it's a different and faith and different things so i think i think he would really enjoy being on hmm. okay connie so last few questions that i always ask every guest here it's a fill in the blank okay okay <laughs> all right i am nothing without nothing without god number one Jesus. and then football <laughs> and now my son my husband passed away so my my son and his family and my stepdaughter and her family and uh, you know those are the most important things to me because you can plop me in any place and i'm happy mm, a, place, a place doesn't mean anything mm. the world needs oh boy the world needs i would say yeah we do need more kindness not um, everybody come to come together. We, because we, you know, it to me. I, I hate division and stuff like that. And we all have to learn where other people are coming from and, and why they are. I love finding out when I was uh, with the Chamber of Commerce in Coral Springs and I would, I was the ambassador group I would have. We would always ask a question that had nothing to do with your job. I want to find out about you as a person. And then when we find out, when you answer your question, when I say something about what was the most meaningful thing that happened to you at age 16, or what was the worst thing that that changed your life, what was the best thing, different things. Now, all of a sudden, the people are not just a job. They are finding out what makes them tick, why they are to some degree the way they are. And I will, and all of us will have more understanding of each other. Hmm. Amen to that. My biggest joy is... Wow, my biggest joy, my biggest joy. <laughs> You're like, I have so many. <laughs> I do, I have, so, I have too many. Yeah, well, as I said, I, my biggest joy is, I have to say is, you know, talking talk to my son um, all the time. If I didn't have him right now, because I lost, I lost my husband, but hmm. I, he's 10 minutes away with his family. But, you know, he's the one that made my website. He understands what I what I need for the football stuff. He helped me with everything that I need to do. And he's just a good human being. I I just love the kind of human being that he is. Um as, as a person, it's it's really nice, it's a really nice feeling um wow. to, to look at your son that way. So um I, I'd say that's what I would say. Gotcha. Okay. Our greatest battle is our greatest battle. Um our greatest battle. Um I think that's a tough one. Our greatest battle. I just, I think there's a lot of coarseness, vulgarness. Um, I'm just not a person that's big into that kind of stuff. I really am not. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm much, I want, I guess I just, I want more, not purity, but just people to, you know, be kind, be nice, hmm. talk. Um, they don't have to use uh, words swear words all the time and not and just 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 be nice to one another hmm. and, and i said it's, you know we all have we all have the same things in basically that we want and just it's a matter of just i my father always said to me don't group people don't make this group is this this group is this this group is this. he said just when you meet a person just see, do you like them if i meet ivory and i say you know i really like them i like it doesn't matter whatever else if I don't like you, it's not because of any reason. It's a, maybe we just didn't hit it. Okay. And, but that's okay too, but just don't group it. Don't say, Oh, I don't like him because he's in this group or I'm in this group, whatever. 
because we just divide each other. I want to be Honey, how crazy is it that as society moves forward, the more grouping we do, yes. the more putting people in boxes that we're doing. And I'm a victim of it too, you know? And sure, we all are. It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, comparison is a thief of joy. That's all I will say. And it's it's yeah. evident in the world we live in, and especially in America. And I think you, you hit that right on the nail. Um, yeah, because I want, I want all of us, I don't want the division. And I know TV and the news and all that stuff, it's just so negative. And it, it gets you. And, and my stepdaughter, she's an anchor on the news in Connecticut. So, of course, she's different. <laughs> but no, but I'm just saying that I just think when you do that, and then when you go and you meet people out in the grocery store or anywhere, and you say, wait a minute, everybody's really pretty nice. You know, and you just talk, you just talk with them and you find out about them. And I say, wait a minute, this this stuff that they're portraying and trying to do to us, it really bothers me. All right. Very last question of the Think Gold podcast. Okay. Fill in the blank here. I am someone that thinks gold because. Oh, thinks gold. Because I've had such a good life. Because, you know, as I said, there have been things that have happened that aren't perfect for me, you know, and in, in my throughout my life. But I just, I was always a glass half full, the optimist, um, enjoying people, love laughter. And whenever I, um, I played a sport or did anything, I gave everything I had to, to, to do my best, which I consider gold if you are doing your best. Wow, Connie, well said. I've I've just sitting here with you for the past 45, 50 minutes. I've learned from you, to be honest with you. And I think that the biggest takeaway is, is just how important attitude is, right? And for example, you know, you know, I was someone that was striving to get to the NFL, right? Yes. And that dream necessarily didn't come true. Um and and now I'm working, right? And I'm in the working world. And to be honest with you, it's that adjustment has been tough. You know, it's maybe working a job that I don't love as much or, or doing stuff that I don't love as much or doing stuff because maybe I feel like it's what I have to do at the moment. Right. Right. But one thing that I'm realizing just talking to you is just how important that attitude is when you step into those things that you don't want to do. Yes. Right. Because not only. I think there's something powerful that happens that it just kind of reshapes your mind, right? All right, it goes back to having gratitude. It's like, yes, when you're in those positions, it's it's reframing your perception of it, right? I and I think ultimately, um, you know, that's what I'm learning. And, and that's why I do these podcasts to learn from people like yourself. And I, I think that was my biggest learning lesson today from sitting with you is just attitude is perception, right? And perception is reality. So yeah, and you, you have, and you can make a choice, to have a, you know, we're not, I mean, we're not going to all have, as I said, perfect days, you know, or something. Some days you just want to go, ah, I'm just staying in bed today. <laughs> but yep. I, I'm, you know, but, but most times, as I said, I think it, it really is. And if you can do something for somebody else, um, then it really does help. And then, you know, as I said, you may not be doing exactly, you're young, which is great. You got your whole life ahead of you. And you, you don't know where it's going yet. This is, this is something that could go like, boom, wildfire or may lead you to make a right-hand turn and do something else, you know, where it's going, who knows? And then you can look, but you're, you've already made a start. And that's number one. You made the, you made a step. You, you, you took something and you said, I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. And then 
you know, see where it goes. Because as you said, the football part, going pro, when there's only 1.6% of players that even play college football from high school, and 1.7% of college players that even get to try out in the, in the pros, you realize 98% of the world is not going to play pro football. Yeah. So that's hard. And also, even the players that are playing, um, when they have to give it up, and this goes all the way back to when they weren't making any money, to now, it's it's very hard to adjust to something something new because it's a you know playing football just like playing, being working for a football team. It's hard to find something else that gives you that that beautiful natural high that yeah. you feel everything that you you know that you want to feel, and that that is the probably the hardest the hardest thing. You just realize you can't always get it all the time you know you may get it here and there and you may get it when you get married you may get it in your job you may get it from just praying yeah um you could be there's so many different ways and as i said just you know just to have the faith that there's a, a road that you're on wherever wherever it's taking you wherever god's leading you amen amen connie well i appreciate you so much for taking the time to speak with us here at think gold connie just briefly where can people reach you or where, where's the best place to connect with you Okay, you go on um, on Facebook. I'm at, at Connie Scouts. Um, also on Twitter, that's where I live most of the time. Connie Scouts. Also on Instagram at Connie Scouts, and my website is ConnieScouts.com. And then I have the book, you know, that came out in 2017 that I said is here. It's, it's called um, X's and O's Don't Mean I Love You. It's right on Amazon. It's what on a great name. What a great name. And that and so this girl just approached me about writing it and she has similar philosophy of life and so she it came out and she came to jet camp the jets were awesome they let her come and i and i spent time she came and stayed with gastonos with me so she got to know them um the jets let her come to practice with me this was um, back from 2000 up to 2015 and then about 2000 this came out in 2017 so it's on amazon or you can just type in uh, ConnieBooks.com, but it's and I try to I I made it very inexpensive because I just want people to enjoy, um, you know what I've been lucky enough to experience in my life and been blessed with. Amen, amen, Connie. Well, thank you again for jumping on the show here, and yeah, it's, um, it's so it's great to talk with you. <laughs> we're gonna have you on again here. Give it give it some time. We'll we'll, we'll have a, another podcast after we do the Commanders and Jets game. How about that? Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today with Connie. I hope you guys were able to take away something. She is such a sweet and just a true human being and someone who just exemplifies, uh, you know, passion, someone who exemplifies doing what they love to do no matter the circumstances. And think about this, guys. You know, I said this a bunch, but she was doing this in the 1970s. As a woman in the NFL, I'm sure there's a lot of things that she dealt with that she didn't talk about, but you know, we're just now seeing this and it's, it's incredible. So guys, I thank you guys for listening to this podcast next week. I'm actually interviewing two twins and we're talking about fitness and mental health and how they dealt with their personal battles with body image, um, dealing with things like, um, anorexia and just, you know, overall just how to develop self-love and self-confidence for yourself. So thank you guys for listening. We just launched our apparel website, thinkgoldapparel.com. Again, that's thinkgoldapparel.com. We have t-shirts on sale right now, black vintage dry fit t-shirts. Again, that's thinkgoldapparel.com. 
And then we're active on all social media platforms at Think Gold Media. I'd probably say the best place to find us is on Instagram at Think Gold Media. Again, guys, pleasure connecting with you all. I hope you guys are able to take something from this episode. Love speaking to you guys. I love bringing guests every week. And if you guys have any advice or some comments on how to make this podcast better, how we can grow, how we can improve, feel free to reach back out. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.